Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recorded live. It's that time once again, ladies and gentlemen, for Inside the SFL. Uh, with me, as always, is Mr. Max Paul, Mighty RX. What's up, buddy? Hello, hello, hello. Inside the SFL after dark. <laughs> I love it already. Yeah, we either seem to do it real early or real late. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way she likes it. All right. Uh, wanted to let everybody know who's listening right from jump. Um, I don't know if we're going to be taking any callers tonight. Probably not. I know Mighty's got to get up early. Uh, I think it's a handle in the morning, so we're just going to handle our uh, agenda, if you will, and get to things. Uh, we'll respond to stuff in the chat, I'm sure, and then uh, get this thing rocking and rolling. I might even do a uh, lunchtime with me special, so to speak. Uh, Later this week, I don't know yet. Hey, let me let me know when I might jump. I might jump in for like twenty or thirty minutes. There you go. Ah, uh, um, in the on Slack, I saw that Buffman, the commissioner, said that he might jump on tonight and address some things as well. So keep in mind for that. All right, I will do that. Well, it's week one. Yes. The season is here. The playbooks have been turned in. Yes. Just call him 23 Savage. What the hell? (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about, Andy. You're out of your mind. Oh, boy. All right, now, uh, where did you want to go first with this? Because obviously, like I said, we can talk about the upcoming game, um, and we're going to take a look and throw out our game to look at for next week. I'll let you uh, take, you know, the reins here, and there you go. Um, Let's start with the week one slate, you know, uh, games, maybe games of note, uh, throwing a word or two as to who we like, why we like, kind of like that. And um, once we're done with this week's slate, including the game of the week, and we could, you know, let people know of the matchup that we like or are intrigued by for week two. There you go. So, uh, all right. Uh, so, everybody listening, we are going to start with the week one slate and jump in on these games. We have a couple of hitters or whatever you want to call them. So, uh, Money, I'll let you uh, grab the first game and start with it. I'll bet that up. Sunday. Kickoff weekend. January 15th. That's seven. Yeah, kickoff weekend. That's right. Kickoff. What? We're the only league that matters, okay? Kickoff weekend. <laughs> January 15th at 7 p.m. On YouTube. The Red Zone. We'll tag this matchup first because we, uh, we don't know the order that Cam's going to go in, so we'll do OKC at Dallas. 
Who you think, Vic? OKC in Dallas. Well, I did my little research on this a little earlier today. Um, these two teams were very different coming with the offense last season. Dallas was sixth. OKC was twelfth. Defensively, you have the top two returning defenses because uh, the number two defense in the league last year was Orlando. That team folded. Dallas was one. OKC was three. So this could be a very good defensive struggle. Um, OKC added a tight end. Does that help Brewski out? Or does that maybe even help out Bovine, getting a linebacker to jump on uh, Remy Piper, uh, Remy Piper being the new new uh, tight end? Dallas has invested more money on the offense this year than last year, trying to improve on that sixth rank. Um, they took away from the defense. As I've stated on an earlier show, that kind of scares me, but if anyone can do it, I believe Steve is the guy to try it. Um, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a closer game than we think, but uh, this is Dallas's game to lose. I kind of agree there a little bit because um, if uh, anyone that hasn't seen the our SFL fantasy football show called Mark and Friends, check it out. There we responded about certain matchups and key players to like and not to like and stay away from. And I pontificated about staying away from uh, Red Feather because I don't know the direction of the offense. And since he's been in the league, no quarterback has been worse year in and year out. Um, that being said, having or adding that second tight end to kind of be a pressure release valve or, uh, you know, uh, uh, being able to be a quick outlet when pressure gets to him um, could be a godsend. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if that's what that tight end is for or that tight end is there for blocking purposes to to free up Bruski to get into the secondary. And on the flip side, Dallas has amped up their offense at the cost of their defense. So now, um, um, what is it, six, now five of their top seven players, meaning the gold and silver tier, are on offense. Right. On defense, they only have a gold uh, defensive end and a silver free safety. Everybody else is a bronze. And mind you, their linebacker that's a bronze is a middle. So if they're caught in any man-to-man situations against those tight ends, it's going to be – a star tight end against a non-star defender, right. and I don't, I don't know if you, Mister Whisper, you know this game better than anybody. You know generic, generic non-star tight ends can do damage against gold linebackers. What is a star tight end going to do against a non-star if stuck in man? So, I, but you I know, earned but, that nickname. I earned that nickname with OKC because of what yeah. I was able to do with Bovine, and I'm sure. Mr. Irvine has not forgotten that playbook. I'm sure he's got that stashed away somewhere, and I would not be surprised if he breaks out some of those plays that he knows I use that ate up some generic linebackers in my four weeks with him. So looking at it that way, but then you look at Dallas's ridiculously high-powered offense. It was it was high-powered last year. Now they just jacked up everybody. It's like everybody's on steroids. They're on that juice now. Cold receiver. <laughs> two silvers, oh, don't forget, we got a fourth one. He's not slow. Like, so OKC 
they're going to have their hands full because they can't sit in that single high like they do against usually usual teams, you know, in base defense. They're going to have to play dime. The three-two or regular dime, four-down linemen exposing, you know, their interior defenders to those higher-tiered receivers. How will they react to that? And in that situation, I'll go with the team that's used to doing it as opposed to the team that's not used to doing it. And that's where I like the Roughnecks to pull this snap. Now, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a good ball game because it's style, style make fight. But I can see Dallas, you know, Dallas pulling away late and making it a double-digit game. There you go. And uh, I want to touch on this real quick. Uh, since it's catching a lot of love already this season, uh, the Who You Got page. Uh, currently on Who You Got, 39 votes have come in for Dallas, and OKC has 12. So clearly Dallas is an odds-on favorite in this game. Yes, they are. So, But, hey, you never know. You know, they, you know how Vegas does it. They, they tilt the odds so that way it's an even game. So uh, I don't know that, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to look for us, you know, with the, 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 the clear favorite, uh, you know. So AKC the dog here going on the road. You never know. They might be able to pull a, a rabbit out of their hat. So like I said, it's going to be a good game. And, you know, if, if you know, Mac Webby gets a little loose with the football, you know, Billy Joe's back there, hey, Billy Joe can make things happen now. Let's not sleep on Billy Joe. Right. Um, based um, on your comments when we got the show started, uh, you said the boss may be calling in, and I believe we do have him sitting there waiting. So uh, before we get to the next game, might as well bring him in, see what he has to say, and then we'll continue on. Sound good to you? Sounds good to me. Bring the boss in. All right, Mr. Irvine, is that you? What's up, guys? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, man. SFL headquarters is a humming this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, the the excitement is through the roof. I haven't seen so many people excited this early, this quick, and I'm talking weeks ago. So... Yeah, I, I got to ask you guys. Didn't, I could have sworn, didn't y'all break down uh, week one games already? I just want to make sure I get the uh, the right clips for uh, the YouTube previews uh, later in the week. Uh, I would assume the, the, the breakdown we did last week was more of just a uh, roster hype type of deal. Thoughts okay, and all right, I got you. I got you. See if tonight's our official breakdown and predictions, if you will. Good stuff. Well, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, I'm glad I didn't uh, clip them together already. That's great. I'll uh, I'll work on that on Thursday and get those up. So that'll be sweet. Awesome. Sounds good. Oh man, you guys ready for some football? Good lord, everyone! Everyone. The thing that people keep telling me is it seems like this off season was longer than the last one, and then I politely remind them that it's not even close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say <coughs> championship game one month month and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, we have... uh, we worked worked at a pretty feverish pace here, but uh, we're ready. Yeah, I had some rookies uh, chime in in the team channel saying, "Man, this this off season is taking on. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to watch the games." And I'm like, gentlemen, <laughs> just stay patient. We gotta. There's some things on the back end. We gotta tie up. So the, the front man looks beautiful. And it's like, don't worry. In the meantime, we got 
scrimmages all over the place. Avail yourself to those. You know what I'm saying? Like you got you got the, the president, you know, doing lots of testing. You got you, you know what I'm saying? You got uh Specful Eagles, Chris Davis, you know, scrimmaging, doing uh playbook and, and, and roster predictions. You got you know, so it's it's there's there's ball games happening. They're not official, but there are things that could whet your appetite until the red zone kicks in. Sunday, January fifteenth at seven PM Eastern Time. And we have we've we've had some owners too actually sharing their private streams with their uh, with their fellow uh, members of their team. Um, you know, allowing them to get a taste. And it's been good to see you know to get the rosters back in owners' hands again. And we credit uh, Mr. Smith for that. But uh, you know, getting them back in the owners' hands. So so. Uh, so we can hopefully not have as many uh, errors with the rosters uh, during the season as we did last season. Hopefully we can you know, clean up anything that needs to be cleaned up, and owners really uh, spot uh, some of the you know some errors that they may see, and and that the players you know have fun, have a good time, get to see themselves uh, out there. They know that you know on week one they know they're going to be there because they've already seen it. So. Um, you know, I think it's. I think that's pretty good. And speaking of uh, Mr. Chris Davis and his uh, scrimmage work that he was doing, I just wanted to give him uh, some kudos for that because I think he did a pretty good job with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, every any time you stick your neck out there, you're gonna you're going to uh, catch a little heat, but uh, you're also gonna, you know, get a lot of people talking about what you're doing and appreciate what you're doing. I'm sure that uh, I didn't get to catch most of it because most of it was during a time I was uh, at work or just not at the computer. But from what I could see, uh, there were a lot of people that tuned in and and uh, enjoyed just getting to have the conversation um, about, uh, about the league and the teams and, and all that stuff. This has definitely been... Uh, Leading into this eighth season, and this is this is really the the main takeaway I have um, during preparation week, is that uh, we have so many new builds and coaches that this is this this season is more unpredictable than than I can remember a season ever being. Uh, you know, we got a new OC and a new team in Atlanta. We've got a new OC. Uh, in Mexico City and a, and a defensive coordinator who hasn't been a coach for almost a year and a half. Obviously, the league has changed a great deal since then. St. Louis has – St. Louis is a new team, and they have a whole new staff. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving some some teams out and some people out, uh, but, uh, you know, Carolina is switching, switching coordinators, sides of the ball. There's just so many different uh, schemes and strategies out there. I mean, how could – how could you not be uh, entertained with with what's uh, with what's going on? And uh, I think that's really what it what it's going to come down to. Oh, uh, Mario Savage being a head coach for the first time in Vegas as well is another new one that uh, is really an unknown. So a lot of these, uh, you know, they, they may be rookies, but but they put in the work too, and uh, it's going to be interesting to to see. Uh, you know how they how they can stack up if they can if they can hang with the uh, with the T Pats and the and the Kyle Walshes of the world. 
Indeed. And then, and then uh, we got Inside the SFL. We got the SOB. We got Market Trends. We have all kinds of other shows going on. So uh, that's that's great. Easy. It's really great. Um, I'm we are we and I am so fortunate, uh, and it, it's a credit to you guys. Uh, just sitting here talking to you. It just uh, I can't. I, sometimes it's hard to express. It just I I started this. Goodness gracious, you know. I mean, I was actually funny story. Mike Peters, who who was a player on your team, Doug last uh, season, and Majesty. and did some yeah yeah Majesty and did some commentary for us. He actually stopped by my new place uh, over the weekend. Uh, he was he happened to be in town, and he stopped in and he uh, and he was in he was in my my office and we were you know we were just chit chatting. Mike and I, although we've had our differences in the past, are good friends and we can talk for hours about video games and whatever else is on our mind. But we were sitting here and and uh, and he looked up at this. I have a uh, I have a I have a giant. One of my whole walls is is a is a magnet board essentially where you know i i can't remember how why i ended it why i ever wanted this as a kid but it certainly has been useful it's essentially you know a wall of that's that's magnetic it's a magnetic wall i guess is what i'm trying to say and on this wall is uh are tons of numbers they're magnets with numbers on them and uh, Mike asked me, "Why do you have all those numbers?" And I said, "Oh, that's that's an interesting story. When I was a kid, I didn't know how to make a website, um, so I used to have the teams in this in the fictional sim league on on this board, and that's how I would keep track of the standings." And he so he he looked at me, he's like, "Really?" <laughs> And and I said, uh, yeah, yeah. That's I haven't used these numbers in years. They're just up there because uh, when we moved, I just I threw them all back up there. But that's that's where it started, and and to 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 see people uh, so supportive and and to have a media team and to have a website and a and a whole production crew. Uh, leading into the eighth season, and obviously, you know, hundreds of players, and and so much hype and, and excitement uh, and appreciation for everything that that has been done, from magnets on a magnet board to now, uh, is is sort of it just uh, it's it's why I still do this, I guess, as you could say. It's just it's it's incredible uh, the the amount of contributions and and value that so many people bring around here. It's just amazing. Um, on a personal level, I'm glad I can help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, hey, the, hey. the first, first inside the SFL was uh, February the 3rd of last year. Wow. Wow, you'll have to have an anniversary show. We we just might. This is We're already up to tonight's episode is uh, 46. So, nice. We've been, been doing this a long time. Very good, very good. Yeah, you, you have to have uh, you have Ed Ritter on and uh, have Alan Drum on. I'm just kidding. 
Just add her. <laughs> Just add her. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, I, was doing, I was doing the math, which I thought this was great. Uh, by doing the math for the episodes uh, next week, uh, would be episode, so week two would be episode 47. Uh, and then week three would be episode 48. And then uh, we can actually do, uh, going into week four or five would be the 50th episode, which we could do on that Friday. Which, uh, there you go. Which, would, um, which was my plan. So the, the 50th episode would be the uh, anniversary episode. It falls in line perfectly the way I was looking for so, yeah, anniversary episode. That's uh, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, and considering that there's only 365 uh, days in a year, I mean, you're you're talking about a show every week for an entire year, essentially. Uh, on average, it's pretty uh, it's a pretty great accomplishment. Pat yourself on the back for that one. <laughs> don't don't hurt yourself now. Oh my goodness. Um, well, I may have slugged myself on the back, but hey, it works. Oh man. So Cam, how how far along are you in the process? Are you just tying up loose ends now? You're you're like you're basically ready for Sunday. <laughs> basically ready for Sunday. Nice. <laughs> you're you're hilarious. You're hilarious. No, I'm being sarcastic. It's Tuesday. Okay. I'm not ready for <laughs> No, we are we are uh I don't want to say we're early stages. That would that's that's not fair. But we're we definitely still have the more the more work than not ahead of us. Okay. Um you know, we uh the t- the the typical week which is sort of confidential in how it works around the league, so I'm not going to give it away. But the, the, the typical week um, for the SFL and how it's going to work this week in terms of a staff level, um, you know, there's there's tons of stuff happening every day, and there's that's uh, that's no different for week one, especially no different for week one, because a lot of it is – hold on. Sorry about that. Um, oh, you couldn't hear that. You, there's no way you could hear that. Um, but you could, I'm guessing. Continue. Hello. <laughs> I, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear a thing. But apparently, Doug must have. I guess. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. It wasn't anything juicy or anything. It just, you know. It's a little uh, awkward to have a personal conversation on a radio show. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's never it's never stopped anyone on this show before, though. So no, uh, dear, yeah. not now. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we've got uh, you know week one is a lot of setting things up of how how we want things to look. Obviously, you know in week twelve, believe it or not, that red zone was just a test. And that wasn't the, the full product or exactly how we wanted the product to look. So, so obviously from, from that point on, you know, what, what people don't, probably don't know and will hopefully appreciate on Sunday is that the entire NFL season, all I did was watch Red Zone from 12 to 3. 
I don't think I ever once, even when my team was playing, I don't think I ever once just watched a regular game. I constantly watched Red Zone just to see how what was effective for them, what I liked, what I didn't like, what could work for us, what we needed that they didn't have, or what we didn't need that they did have. And, uh, you know, so a lot of fine-tuning. The expectation for this red zone should be that it's going to move a lot faster. Um, the, the hope is, is that you won't go but, but more than, you know, 90 to, to 120 seconds without seeing a play from, from the game that interests you if you only have one game that interests you. You know, it, whereas in week 12, the, the, the bouncing around of the action was much slower. Um, and uh, and that's, uh, that's something that I, that I learned in terms of adapting. You know, we, re- we really need to hop around uh, all the action at a much faster pace. Um, and people were, people were probably wide-eyed at this point saying, hey, I thought it was pretty fast then. What do you mean faster? Um, you know, you find out on Sunday, but, um, you know, we're just constantly making uh, as many additions as we can and, and, uh, and tweaks as we can until we just run out of time and we got to go on the air and here's our product and we hope it's enjoyable and, and we hope the games are good. You know, obviously it would be terrible to have five snoozers on our hands. Um, so, uh, so hopefully week one provides us with, uh, with plenty of thrillers. Well, speaking on behalf of my own team, I hope I don't oblige. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure owners want nothing less than to watch their team crush the opposition. But the league always... I just want to win. I just want to win. I don't care about crushing anybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh boy. Oh, it's fun stuff right there. Yeah, plenty, plenty, plenty still left on the plate. No doubt about that. But uh, man, Destro has worked his butt off. Uh, man, Frank has worked his butt off. What a, what a, what a fantasy football side. I really hope that catches on with people. I think that's going to be a blast. Going to be a lot of fun. I got. I unfortunately. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, you know, because I clearly, uh, I I could I could pick, uh, you know, I could potentially pick uh, a, a fantastic team every week because I got all the playbook adjustments. <laughs> so I don't I don't think it'd be very fair if I played. I'm kind of bummed because I uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think that. Um, uh, that I just I think that the product is good and and uh, we're really going to have a lot of uh, data and and things to help people make intelligent choices even if they're not the most uh, they don't have the most SFL knowledge. Um, I still think they'll fantasy, they'll be able to compete. Speaking of fantasy stuff, uh, I have to bring it up because it was too priceless not to uh, during the market trends episode with uh, Mighty. Andy and um, oh yeah, yours truly, Doug Bose. What's up uh, with that? I had what happened? That's my you dude. <laughs> I gotta rip my dude. No, I didn't. <laughs> yes, you what? did. You said yours truly, 
Doug Bose. You no, basically called yourself Doug Bose. I did? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's not how you use yours truly. That's not how I'm you sorry. use that. I'm sorry. I'm not from here. I'm sorry. My bad. I'm not from here. That was the first funniest thing. And the second thing is just absolutely epic. Has, did anyone else enjoy all the movement and facial expressions coming from Matt Sal? Oh, ain't it? Dying? <laughs> when, uh, when Andy sat there and said, uh, for my pick of the week, uh, I'm going to have to go with, and he's sitting there and he, he's looking or whatever, waiting for waiting for Andy to say it. And then when Andy gets into uh, mentioning the Mexico City Aztecs linebacker, uh, hoping I say it right, Jamu Afalabi, and mentions the linebacker from last season had X amount of tackles. His facial expression at that very moment was like, oh, shit. And I was just dying. The way he reacted to that comment, and it was the whole episode, he'd bobbing his head, and he'd have that, oh, wow, look. Matt, I love you, buddy. I just had to say it. And, yes, the episode hey, was much kid. better had he had a clipboard in the background. <laughs> you guys kid remember in the candy it was like uh, yeah. uh, around the horn when uh, Woody was on the show. He always had that clipboard oh in the background. Awesome. That's to have the clipboard. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> With his comment of the day on it. Yes, that's that's a good that's a good uh, uh, director's change right there <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> Get us some more views, Matt. Put something new on the clipboard, man. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, I think those guys, Mighty, you were a part of that. So yeah, I think the three of you guys did a phenomenal job. I thought it was, it was yeah, good stuff. I I enjoyed yeah. the love. Uh, I also hated it because now I feel like there was a lot of pressure on me to achieve. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's like me with uh, DR Sim last year. DR Sim was good for one good one big play game. That's pressure. The Macho Fog, you better come through. <laughs> my, my dad said that uh, that there was too much agreement, and there needed to be more friction. And I told him, I said, "Why don't I, I said, why don't you co-host and you put you provide all the yeah, friction?" Provide friction. Yeah, go ahead. And I told him, I said, "You're just bitter because they all picked against you." maybe be a co-host. I see he even changed his avatar on Slack. Like, uh, he, he's coming for you. He's about business now. He's got like, a skull head and uh, smoking a cigar. I see he's, he's about business this year. Let's do it. <laughs> he's stepping his game up. Yeah. Yeah. It only it only took him like nine months to figure that out. He'll be all right. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. He's still trying to figure out Red Feather, too. So, uh. Oh man, yeah. That's his boy, though. Uh, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting uh, it's gonna be an exciting season, you know. Towards towards the end of the week, I I sort of recuse myself. I don't really talk to to many uh, many team members or anything like that because cause, you know I'm I'm knee deep in preparations, and then people people try to get information out of me and. It's just this whole thing. So I, I, I wanted to take this opportunity to get on the air and and share my appreciation and gratitude for everyone who helps make the SFL the most freaking awesome thing ever. 
um, it's not just me. It's uh, I can only I can only make it as awesome as I can make it. But it's a whole new level with everybody else uh, on board. And uh, you know, I, I I won't get to say that uh, and, and again until Sunday night. So I figured I'd I'd uh, I'd say it tonight and join the late night show. I, of course, you guys know my routine. I love these late night shows. This, I'm all about this. I'm wide awake. This is my time of the night. Um, but uh, but yeah, you guys are doing a great job, and, uh, and I can't wait to uh, to hear all the breakdowns uh, when I'm uh, when I'm cutting up the show uh, to give you guys some more uh, some more exposure later in the week. And, 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 I, and I do have a quick question for you, based on and I, sure. not to get information. It's just I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, all the playbooks were submitted. Was there? Yes. And you don't have to mention the team or a particular situation. I'm just curious to this. Is, was there any playbooks, whether it was offensively or defensively, that when they were submitted, and you were plugging them in, you scratched your head thinking, "What the hell are they doing?" <laughs> yeah. Just, just some unique. There was. Where are they going with there, this? There, there was. I. I uh... I I sort of I'm trying to process it in my head. Of course, you know the worst thing in the world is, and you guys don't understand. Well, I'm sure you do. I mean, you you look at you look at that playbook screen for five or six hours in a row, and you're looking for one play, and you you scroll past it about six times, and you feel like the biggest idiot in the whole world because you can't find this dumb play, um, and it's right there in front of you. Um, so, so that happened a few times, but as I'm processing, uh, all these plays, I'm thinking to myself, that's interesting. <laughs> so, uh, it's really gonna, gonna be, uh, be interesting to see how it shakes out, and I uh, come week one. I, I personally am hoping to see more uniqueness defensively. And what I mean by that is the league's mostly been a few teams running mostly nickel or the 4-3. I'm hoping we see some 3-4s and some 4-3s and some nickel heavies. Um, I doubt anybody would want to go 4-4 or 5-2 or any of those, but I just want to see some differences and some you know get away from the norm when it comes to the defense and uh, make offensive coordinators really start figuring out some defenses. Yeah, I saw I saw everything. To be honest with you, I don't think there's a formation. I think every single formation was used by somebody. Um, you know, I don't have the data in front of me, but I mean, it's and it's and it's not just one play. You know, it's 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 in there, and um, I think that you know the league's emphasis. Obviously, we're always going to be we're always going to tend to be an offensive league because video games are offensive based. Uh, however. You know, my my hope is because I'm a I'm a sim guy and I'm a you know play play true to it. We're we're six points above NFL average, and I want to get that number down. You know, I don't want to make the games less interesting. I don't I don't want I don't want you know every game to be six to three. But but defenses needed to matter. And from a you know every off season we try to make adjustments to every phase of our of our operations you know you have have a have some gameplay 
uh, enhancements or adjustments. You have some presentation enhancement enhancements or adjustments, and then you have some, you know, your core, what you're built of, what you're made of, what your uh, sort of mission is. You know, so for example, this off season, uh, a league goal was moving towards this red zone as as a red zone slash game of the week as a primary. Um, you know, broadcast schedule. It's it totally different from us. And when we first started and we did it for years, it was just one game at a time, three or four nights a week. So this is very different for us, and we wanted to turn the week into a content week with inside the SFL and, and podcasts and fantasy football and all that stuff. We wanted to keep you entertained while I was busting my butt you know, making next to nothing, trying to make a career out of myself, right? So, so we had to we had to make that adjustment. Gameplay wise, the the fixation was we've got to make defense exciting. We've got to make defense interesting again because what's happened is is people have gone away from you know four two and four one nickel and dime base sets because of that depth chart issue. We've got to clean that up so that. We don't have people getting getting burnt on the outside because you've got a generic corner out on a superstar. Like that just that just can't be that can't be the norm, and we can't have just just this vanilla attitude towards defense. And so, I think this off season with what we saw around the league in terms of the defensive shakeups and the defensive lines and and just sort of that new emphasis on defensive creativity, I think that we're going to see a lot more, you know, exciting, big hit, uh, you know, just shut down type of, man, this team is is really sound defensively. It's hard to move the ball against them type of games. And uh, and, and I, for one, am really excited about that. And we're, we're always going to have points, but if we can get that number down and continue to be the number one sim league on the planet I just there's there's nothing stopping us and and i i think it's going to do it i think it's going to be the the spark that that the defenses need um and and i i'm 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 more excited about seeing these games uh than than i've than i've ever been because i just have such hope for the sim product of it all i can't read myself I'm I, I, I'm excited. I, I'm on pins and needles. I want to see what my defense looks like against you know Ramos's Mexico City Aztecs. Uh, hopefully, we're hoping for some kind of a precipitation. Um, come on, weather gods, may happen. Um, but yeah, defense. Boy, it doesn't Mexico look like it right now, does it, Mighty? No, nah, man, it cleared up, man. It, uh, last weekend, it was looking like it might be something, and then now I see my only Saturday. There's a percentage Sunday is just uh, overcast, which stinks for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, but the the emphasis that we've seen in this, you know, this this season um, on people investing into their D lines to kind of apply pressure to the quarterback and also slow down uh, teams' running games. Hopefully, that you know that pays off and uh, teams reap dividends from that. So can't wait to see what how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... Obviously, we've got we got three teams in a dome at home in week one. Uh, the best chance for snow at the moment is I keep track of it daily. The best chance for snow at the moment looks like Sioux Falls, actually. 
on Monday, um, they're uh, they're they're pretty pretty frigid themselves. So we're going to continue to monitor that, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see what we end up with on game day. I'm just curious to see if any teams pay homage and respect to their face of the franchise like the Sharks have. And how's that? By making fun of them on the SFL radio show? Well, that's that's the cherry <laughs> on the top. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, they, everyone will see it come uh, come game day uh, when we submitted our roster. Uh, it's 42, I believe it's 42 players on the roster. Um, we went with the fact that Sharks have that dark black eye. So every single one of our players, all of them, except for one, has the dark shield. Matt South has a clear shield, so he is the only face oh. on our team you can see because he is the face of our franchise. How about that? That's that's pretty dang clever. So that, that was pretty, what we went that with. That's interesting. If we had a face of the franchise, I probably would have thought of some, but we don't hand them out. They're earned, so. <laughs> Matt earned his. He paid 10 bucks. Alas. <laughs> Alaska, Alaska gives their Alaska gives their face of the franchise a helmet, and everyone else doesn't get one. That's they get long tight. johns. They get long johns. <laughs> they get. You get to stay warm. The rest of y'all, if y'all want to stay warm, play better. That's it. Oh man, it's going to be a great week of games. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys get back to the previews and. Uh, Thanks for thanks for having me on again, and I hope I haven't been in the I haven't been in the chat during this conversation, but I hope. Uh, Hope everyone has enjoyed uh, the uh, the walks down memory lane. Indeed, I know oh, I had nice. a uh, I know I had a uh, Facebook memory today. Uh, Demond had posted it. It was about the Louisville Houston game that took place a year ago today. A year ago today. Wow! Isn't that something? Man, that was a year ago. Yeah. Jeez. I'm flying, man. I, my my voice feels better today than it did that day. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it wasn't feeling too good. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> much better now. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can locate that real quick, just to kind of describe to you the the actual image that uh, was in the memory to make sure that it was from that particular game. Okay, it was. Uh, Louisville logos on the left, the Houston logos on the right. Um, there's the football player standing in the middle. Yeah. And, and it was like a black shaded color. And it said Louisville, Houston, simulationfl.com, January 10th, 2016, kickoff at 7. And yeah, I do believe that was the playoff game. Louisville at Houston because the playoff game was at Louisville. That may have been the that may have been the season opening game when Darnell Black had the 400. Either way, it's historical when right. Darnell Black broke the rushing record. That's so right, yeah, because that's the beginning of January. So yeah, that had to have been the beginning of the season. Yeah, that was that was the that was the hyena's first game. Uh, right. As a franchise, so uh, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of. He he went for what? What is that number again? Didn't he run for over four hundred and some yards? 
Oh, yeah, it was over 400. I thought you said 477. I don't think it was that much. It's like 423 or something, but that's still a stupid number. Um, <laughs> that whole game was stupid. That was a, that was the most bizarre game I've ever seen. All I can remember from that game is me just saying, and there he goes again. <laughs> if I'm looking now, it's from Winter 16. Obviously, it is from Week 1. That is correct. Darnell Black had 32 carries. 424 yards and five touchdowns. What? 420. What did I say? 423. Damn, I'm good. I must be the commissioner or something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh man! Oh, All right, guys, take care and uh, have right. a great rest of the show. Have a good night, Jeff. All right, bye. All right. It's always a pleasure when the boss joins us. Yes, yeah, it is. And as he said, let's jump right back into uh, these, these particular games. Uh, so to touch more, we were before the call in. Uh, we both have Dallas uh, beating OKC. So uh, yeah, for you. What's the what's the next game on the docket? Next game for Sunday kickoff weekend, January fifteenth at seven p.m. on YouTube. We have. The Tallahassee Pride at the new St. Louis Gladiators. What do you got, Dust? This is going to be one of those games where I'm pretty sure everyone, for the most part, is going to take Tallahassee. And I'm checking out the who you got now, and I'm looking at it, and I'll give everybody those numbers here shortly. But um, that has to do with a lot with the fact that T-Pat's there. Uh, Frank's got his silver running back back. Uh, I do find that amazing. He made a silver running back work better than a gold, so maybe he's the silver running back whisperer. Yes, so, he is. Uh, <laughs> St. Louis, two brand new coaches. What do they know? What do they not know? And then all the talk revolves around them three defensive linemen because they've invested so heavily in the gold and two silvers. Uh, Cash is the defensive coordinator. Does he know something the rest of us don't? Until I see them in action, I will not discredit this build. I have to see it. Um, I said it on this air before, the lack of a strong safety bothers me to no end. I would have carried two wide receivers and had that strong safety. I think it would have improved that defensive line that much more. Um, Looking at the numbers last year, uh, Tallahassee was 13 offensively. I can see that number improving this season. But they were 10th defensively. Uh, let's remember that Colin was the coordinator uh, all season, if I'm not mistaken, for the defense in Santa Fe. And they ended up 15th overall. And then he took over the offense later in the season, and that team ended up finishing uh, second offensively. But he's not calling the shots. Two new guys to the league, or the world of coaching, rather, are calling the shots. Um, and based on... What I'm looking at, I, I have no choice but to go with Tallahassee in this game. But uh, if that three defensive linemen work, Tallahassee will have their work cut out for them. But until I see it, I don't believe it yet. Well, seeing that St. Louis is kind of worse and we don't know what to expect, and Tallahassee kind of still has a bad taste in their mouth from last season where they started out so well with those two uh, just great games, just nail-biter games coming down to the wire and starting out 2-0, but, you know, finish off, 
finishing off the season one and nine. Um, um, they shook up a lot of things over there. Um, they went with a you know with a goal QB now. You know they they, they bumped the running back down. They they, they brought in a goal tight end. I, um, to I guess you know tight end is the quarterback best friend. Um, but at the same time, you got St. Louis. You know they they built a squad where they're going to rely on that front to apply pressure and control running games. And they brought in you know old old Wiley veteran Park Heechul, who is arguably the fastest player in the league still. Um, where at any time if you mess around and miss one tackle, he could take it eighty. So that could. This matchup is another interesting matchup. Um, again, the unknown is kind of, un, un, you know, unquantifiable. Is that a word? Good grief. Um, um, because I don't know what St. Louis is about. You know, they, 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 I'm looking at their build now. They have that goal quarterback. They have Parkey. So, you know, there's a big play rival there, but we don't know their – their offensive and defensive coordinators don't have a track record, so there's nothing for us to lean on to look back on. We're just having to look at rosters and, hey, whose who's team deal looks the best? And, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll rely on two-time champion head coach, now turned offensive coordinator, and Frank knows his way around defense. And I believe Frank can coach the D up to at least slow down St. Louis enough to walk out and go to victory. So that's why I like Tallahassee as well. Uh, and based on the who you got predictions, uh, the Tallahassee St. Louis game is currently 39 votes for Tallahassee and 12 for the Gladiators, which is the exact same voting for uh, Dallas and OKC. Wow, when the favorites are favorites, they're really favorites. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, next ball game, we got. On Sunday, January 15th, on YouTube, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, mind you, we might have a little pregame action that Cam drops on us a little later this week, so be, you know, pay mind to that. But the game starts, the kickoff is at 7 p.m. We have Baltimore Crab at the new Atlanta Swarm. Mm. Who you got, Dutch? Well, Baltimore was fourth in the league last year defensively. Lost their defensive coordinator. I wonder where he went. Have any idea? Uh, <laughs> um, and Mark Chisholm, the new owner, of, and, well, I shouldn't say the new owner, but the new owner to the league, gets his first brand-new franchise, Atlanta Swarm. Uh, his D.C. defense last year finished eighth in the league. Um, and I found this number to be shocking. And you might as well. Did you know Baltimore's uh, offense was only good enough for 11th last season? Yes. Um, yes, I, I did. And I actually thought it was a little higher than that. But uh, that being said, I had to uh, really look at this game and, and really analyze this one a lot because Atlanta just piques my interest more and more that I look at them. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I like the way they spent their money. They do have the bronze quarterback, but they put four abilities on him. I think that's going to be huge. Uh, I believe I've said this here on the end. To me, I think a bronze four-ability player, I don't care the position, is good enough to be as equal to a silver player. 
they did the same thing with their their linebacker Quintus Shine. They have three other defensive players at the bronze level with three abilities. Uh, I think that's huge. They spent the four abilities with twelve million on their running back. They got that defensive tackle at gold. The silver tight end is interesting. Uh, they got Nick T. Quick from Santa Fe, which is now Mexico City. So I was like, okay, this is this is a nice little interesting build. So then when I went to Baltimore, they got that gold linebacker like always, Castro Patron. I'm sure he's ready to eat. He's going to be getting some big hits. Got the gold running back. And on top of the gold running back, they got a gold receiver. And then there ends up being three more wide receivers on this team, two of them at the bronze level. And then there I go with that cash money spending. They have four abilities on a wide receiver. To me, it makes him just as good as Mike Osai, who's a two-ability silver. Uh, Deshaun Miller is a four-ability free safety. And he is the leader of the free safeties because Aaron Lee is a two-ability when they run their nickels. So that's where I got interested. When you got four wide receivers, but then they have a gold running back on top of it, that tells me they're going to actually be able to mix it up and do a lot of different things, and they don't have to constantly be in four wide receiver sets. Although I'm a firm believer if you spend your money on the guy, he should be on the field at all times because to me it would just, just be a waste. But uh, in breaking down this game, Atlanta has a big question mark, and that's Taco. And Mr. Robert Bose, baby brother of mine, he's calling the shots offensively. I know what he can do outside of the SFL, but does that move into the SFL? Will it work as much in the SFL? Until I see it, I can't put enough faith in that team. So for me, I'm going to take Baltimore in this game. But this might be the game where, of all the games that I'm not picking against, I'm not picking a team, this might be the game where that team I'm not picking would be the least surprised if they win of all the games this week. Okay. Um, You brought up the fact that Baltimore's offense last year was – middle to middle of the pack to below average. And that is one reason why I believe TJ went with the four wide receivers because if you remember last year he had three receivers and a tight end. But the tight end there was it was a it was a running joke in the team chat that this would be the week that the tight end would have a catch. Not catches, not you know, a factor, a catch. I think well, since, you, since you say that, I can throw that number out because I was actually looking at that and I should have mentioned it. Uh, the tight end last season, he had he had how many catches? He, he a handful, maybe ten, maybe. And who was the and who was the tight end, Mr. Daly Holder, right? That is correct. Daly Holder in twelve games had fifteen catches. Yep. Because like I said, sixty-four yards. Yes, that was that was the running joke inside the team chat. Like, so when <laughs> when would he? When's he gonna have a catch? Oh, not this game. Yeah, better luck next game. Um, so that's why I guess he shied away from tight end and just said, you know, let me make him a receiver. Let me do pull the floor, the full wide like Dallas has shown to be, to you know, to be a successful type of build, and then to spread defenses out. And as you spread out, you have less people that can actually tackle, and then you got to deal with Sonzo Robinson. That is not something that is an envi- enviable task for anyone. So. Um, I, too, like Baltimore this game. But the caveat I take is here is this, is that Mark Chisholm knows his way around defense. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't believe me? 
as the hyenas, is it the hyenas? As the hyenas, was it the hyenas last season? I believe they ran, the hyenas ran to them late in the season um, last year where they kind of came out of nowhere because D.C. were kind of struggling last year winning games, which was awful because, you know, that was kind of like their swan song. I know it was in week 10, D.C. was able to win 23-17 over Dallas, which was a four-wide receiver set team. That's the, that's the game. That's the wrong Texas <laughs> team. I'm sorry. That's the game where, right. you know, he he flexed his, you know, Mark Schism flexed his muscles as defensive coordinator and kind of gave us a, 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 a small glimpse as to how to slow down that four-wide receiver attack. And remember, and, that's the, and remember, that's the game where I believe Mike Davis started getting loose, and that's where Steven started giving Mike Davis the ball more often because that's when he went on a tear. Like, yeah, like he averaged 200 yards for the last four games of the season. It was something ridiculous. So um, if Mark Chisholm can slow down a full wide, you know, if any team can slow down a full wide receiver offense, it's the Swarm because of Mark Chisholm being their owner and defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, and I'll throw but, this out to you. And she said, "Slow it down." Dallas had 272 yards of total offense in that game, and Rocco Marconi, with, with his four wide receivers, completed 14 of 33 passes, one touchdown, three interceptions, and he only threw for 76 yards. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. So. Can can they repeat that same type of result against the Baltimore squad? But I know Baltimore, you know, because kind of, I was there. I've been there for a minute. Um, they're not the type to forget about the running back. So they will remain balanced regardless. So if they have to go heavy to remain balanced, they'll go heavy to make sure that their running back has a chance to hit the line of scrimmage um, with the, some kind of steam and do some damage and at second and third level. So they're they're not the type of organization that forgets about with their bread and butter and what key you know and and what creates mismatches in the secondary is leaning on your running back to force them out of their too deep shell and have one on one outside and then you see a goal wide receiver streaking down the sideline. You know that's 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 Baltimore's calling card. So. That's why I like Baltimore because they have they will remain balanced even though they have four wide. They have a history and track record that says exactly that. So that's why I like Baltimore in that in, in this matchup. All right. Okay. Um we could go one or two ways. We could do your uh your game next or you could do, we could do my game next. Flip the coin and you know. Okay. Sunday, January 16th at 7 p.m. on YouTube, The Red Zone. You know, I had to kick in the red zone. I forgot last night. I'm sorry, Cam. Um, we have we have the, the Los Angeles Sox at the Las Vegas, like, what's the name? Rollers? Gamblers. 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 I'm going to start over. I'm going to start over. Because I remember we had a Rollers in, in, in the league, and then the Rollers disappeared, and then the Rollers came back, but they were the gamblers. Anyway, um, let me start over. Sunday, January 15th, at 7 p.m. on YouTube, during the Red Zone, we have the Los Angeles Sharks as the Las Vegas Gamblers. 
Roll the dice, man. Um, you know, I know you can't really pick because you kind of have a jaded perspective. But, you know, uh, give me a, a glimpse of your prep for this game as to kind of, you know, a little bit of what you were looking, you, you're looking at and what you're prepared for. I can address this game as a journalist. I can do that. Okay. I can be impartial. Uh, just throw out the facts. And, and the facts are simple. Last season, the, the Sharks were seventh offensively and ninth defensively. Uh, the then Cleveland Vipers, now the Las Vegas Gamblers, uh, were 13th on the defense, and a number that not many people would believe would be this high, were eighth offensively. Um, so when you look at this game and you break this game down, Vegas comes into this game with three players at the gold level that have four abilities, their quarterback, their running back, and their defensive tackle. <clears throat> we all saw what the very same defensive tackle that the Gamblers have O'Reilly could do with three abilities while in Louisville. They've now put him on steroids and given him a fourth ability. Now the question is, will they install the type of defense to unleash him? Um, and as we were saying with the, these other coaches, we don't know what they're made of. We know what Mario Savage can do with the offense. He's now running the defense as well, full in control of this team for Mr. Ronnie Nickens, the grand poopah of the, the SFL. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, based on market trends, what you had stated, they have a <clears throat> bronze wide receiver in Flynn Starbuck going up against the gold corner in Charlie Monk. That's a huge disadvantage. But does Mario Savage know how to counter that? Because anyone who's done offense knows you can counter that. You can make a bronze beat the gold with the right types of plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that takes me all the way to the build. You know, and, I, and like I said, when it comes to these builds, Vegas has a very interesting build with the running back and the quarterback at gold. And then everything from gold and silver on is all defense. A defensive tackle, two safeties, a corner, a defensive end. And then they got two more linebackers at the bronze level. Both their receivers are bronze. That scares me for Vegas because we saw that run with Carolina last year, and it wasn't very effective. Um Caesar Cannon is also a bronze. He's back to his natural position as a tight end. So their strength is clearly going to ride on Overstreet and their defense. Because Overstreet's going to get his with four abilities on that guy. Good grief. Um, Mario Savage, how is he built? What type of player is he being made this season? So to me, that makes that interesting. You look at the Sharks. If there's a team build to stop the running game, it is the Shark defense with the three linebackers. Uh, there's not many teams in the league that have three linebackers. If I'm not mistaken, I think there's only two, uh, and it's Sioux Falls and L.A. So That's this correct. Would be, this is one of the two teams, to me, that would have the best shot at stopping a stud running back based on that build. And then you add in the fact that both the safeties are silver, they can come up and add more run coverage. So it, it, it's a it's a matchup nightmare in some aspects for Las Vegas. But the Sharks have their, their work cut out. I mean, like I said, you got O'Reilly with four abilities. Can they run up the middle? You got the defensive end there at Silver. Is he going to take away the outside, at least the one side? So it, it's it's going to be a chess match, and Mario Savage is a wild card in this. What is he going to bring to the table? Because, like I said, I was, I was very fond of what he did last season offensively. Uh, <clears throat> uh, defensively, rather, and then it just happened to, to to fall apart. So now he gets to control the offense. So we'll see what he can do 
with the offense. Um, for the sake of the role of the rollers, the gamblers, I hope they're they're on uh, they're on it this season. And you know, I'd like to see Ronnie and them have a winning season. Uh, it's overdue, but uh, I hope they start the season on the, the losing end, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I, I believe I just did a very unbiased breakdown. What do you think? <laughs> that, was, that was very good. That was very good. That was very good. Now, now I'm coming in, and I'm I think I'm be clear and objective as well. Um, looking at this squad, just kind of like you broke it down a little bit. Um, their skill players are all bronze except for the running back Overstreet, who is a menace, as um, we 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 saw and know him to be from Louisville. Mm. The issue I see with this matchup is that when it's if they get in down in distances that are unfavorable, you know, your second and long, your third and long, and they have to rely on those receivers to shake free from the coverage, um, there will be some issues there that are will be problematic. And at the same in the in the same vein, looking at their build, if you pay close attention, you'll notice that their build it leans heavy to the offenses left side of the field. On the right side, if you run right, there is no corner. He's a non-star. You only have there's no linebacker. You only have to deal with strong safety. But Will Las Vegas spread the Sharks out and and remove their third linebacker out of the picture so Overstreet could get a head steam going against a nickel safety or a nickel corner where he's able to break that tackle, even make the guy miss altogether to get into the third level and take take off. What is their game plan going to look like? Now, we've seen, you know, a glimpse of it last year when uh, Cleveland was uh, running baby boats, and they're not afraid to spread it out. Will they have the same kind of man's mindset coming into this game? And we all know Kyle Walsh to be a defensive wizard. Uh, his time in Orlando, defense was never the issue. I know for a fact that my quarterback kept throwing him the ball like he was our receiver to the tune of seven interceptions. So Kyle Walsh knows defense, and that goal corner is going to be a problem if that receiver can't get open on that on that side of the field. And because Kyle Walsh knows defense and because the tight end whisperer knows offense, that combination is the reason why I like the Sharks in this match. I'm jumping on uh, who you got. The current voting has the L.A. Sharks, 39, and the Gamblers at 11. So somebody voted for the Tallahassee-St. Louis game, the Oklahoma City-Dallas game, because they're 39-12, but didn't vote on this Shark gambling game. So I'll have to figure that out. And I don't even think I mentioned it for the Crabs and the Swarm, and if I didn't, I apologize, but I'm going to jump on that too. The Crabs have 40 votes to the, cra- uh, to the, to the Swarm's 12. So all four of those games are very close with the voting. You got two at thirty nine twelve, then you have forty twelve, and then you have thirty nine eleven. So that gives us two games left, 
and these are the two closest within the voting. So I'm gonna take it. We're gonna go Mexico City Aztecs and Alaska Storm next. That is correct. So Sunday night, January fifteenth, seven p.m. Eastern. I missed the Eastern last last few um, times. I'm sorry. On YouTube, the Red Zone. We have the the new look Mexico City Aztecs at the new Alaska Storm. What do you got, Doug? What an interesting game this one could be. Again, this falls right in the, what I've been saying with builds and the mystery of things. But uh, Alaska, you guys got those three gold players, four abilities, just like Vegas, in the running back, the strong safety, and the tight end. Uh got the double tight end set going. What is that going to do for, for your running back building? Uh, your defense last year when you ran the show in Baltimore finished fourth in the league. Now you got to design, build, and create your own defense. One would be thought to believe here that that means the Alaska Storm defense would be even tougher than the Baltimore defense from last season. Mexico City had the 15th defense last year the number two offense. Uh, Ramos is back in control with some things. He's brought in Chris Davis uh, to learn some things. So this team went out and got themselves some coaches. They've mixed around their build a little bit. Uh, they went from having a bronze bomber to a silver slinger. Now they got a gold gunner, Mr. Matt Wilson. Uh, if we thought he was good two seasons ago and improved last year, he's going to improve that much more this season, I believe. Uh, if you look at Matt's numbers from last season, you just sit back and you kind of scratch your head and say, how, how are these numbers possible? The guy averaged over 400 yards a game. I think it was 414 yep. yards or what have you. And his uh, interception to touchdown ratio wasn't where they wanted it. It was 35 touchdowns, 33 interceptions. Uh, but when you complete 63%, 70% of your passes, uh, you have 70% of his passes, this guy is going to be a menace. Uh, one of the numbers I saw from Matt Wilson, and I remember this was as a silver last year, he threw at least one touchdown in every single game the entire season, which is a good feat when you go look at all the starting quarterbacks last year. And in those 12 games, only twice did he only throw one. Uh, and his touchdown numbers, and I'll throw these out there so people know, this is how many touchdowns he threw in each game. And it was six, four. Three, three, two, one, four, one, two, and then he had three, three touchdown games to close out the season. That's an impressive number. But like I said, the, t- the interception ratio is the same way because it was zero, two, four, three, one, four, four, three, two, three, four, three. Can bumping him to gold take away the interception numbers, or will it climb? Because some people firmly believe when you're at gold. The quarterback is willing to risk himself a little bit more. He's willing to force some passes a little more. Um, does Mexico City throw the ball as much as they did last season? That's another thing that we got to question. Because if you know what they're about last season, do you change it or do you stick with what works? Um, so I mean, we'll see. We'll see what they're going to do. But uh, Mexico City, to me, is going to be one of the tougher teams out of the West. And getting back to your uh, Mr. Alaska Storm here, 
I, I, I kind of like the build. There's only one thing about the build I don't like, and I'm going to touch on that, and that is just having a two-ability quarterback. I have to question that. Uh, you've already sold me on the kicks thing that bothered me, and I can leave that alone now. I can dig it. Uh, the two-ability quarterback is just, mm. So for me, I'm thinking you guys got to be leading heavily on back uh, Beakley Jr., uh, Optimus Klein, Slinky Watts, the double tight ends, I think are going to be key for you guys. And I'm going to be down if you do a classic pound the rock, small dink and dunk. Murdoch Mock doesn't need to have too many abilities. He just does that type of deal. Um, and if that's the type of offense that's being run, I think the defense you're going against might be the type of defense you want to want to see. Because the one thing I'm going to point out is the fact that that linebacker, that Vegas had, or I'm sorry, Mexico City has, uh, what's his name, Jamu Afolabi. I'm not sure if he's an inside or an outside linebacker, but he's the only linebacker that they have. He's going to be paired up one-on-one with those two tight ends, and if he's in the middle, you know, that opens up the outside for Beakley Jr. to go against generics. It's the type of build I'm sure you can you can eat up, but uh, until I see what you and Mr. Stevie T. Diggs bring to the table. I'm going to have to go with Ramos and pick the Aztecs this week. Looking at matchups and then also understanding how Mexico City likes to attack folk, um, they're not shy about putting the ball in the air several times a game and forgetting that there's a guy back there to hand the ball off to. Until you, until the defense forgets that there's a guy to hand the ball up to, and then he rips up the a fifty yarder. Um, so coming into this game, we we had the game plan to kind of pick poison and what to what we're able to live with and what we're not able to live with. Um, so looking at that, you got the bump up in Matt Wilson, which means he's even more aggressive, uh, a thrower. He's he was already. An aggressive downfield thrower. Now he's even more aggressive, um, but he's going against a secondary that's kind of equipped to, you know, maybe not stop, but at least slow down, impede, get in the way, you know, complete maybe one, one or two less of those long passes and forcing field goals. Um, but then again. You know, San, last year's Santa Fe team, like, they dropped 30 on everybody like it's nothing. They, they maybe, I think they had, like, a couple of games where they got stuck in the 20s and one game where they got stuck in uh, teams. But besides that, they were dropping 30 on everybody. And one standing, that's going to be kind of a track meet. If, you know, if there's no elements um, to kind of uh, assist <laughs> in the defensive uh, uh you know, and stopping them defensively, then the ball's going to be in the air a lot, and it's going to be, hey, who's going to come down with it? Is it going to be those um, great skilled position players that Mexico City has, or will it be the, the, the talented secondary that Alaska's put together? Um, the that's where they – numbers. Like you said that the points they allowed, uh, yeah, they didn't score 30 or more points in just three games last season. And went one and two in those games. So they were and 28, 28 and twenty-two or sixteen. 
So they had two yep. twenty-eight point scores in the sixteen. They were one and two in those games. Uh, beating Tallahassee twenty-eight Lost to Orlando forty-five to twenty-eight, and lost to Dallas twenty-two to sixteen, which was the lowest output of the season, sixteen points. And that that's kind of that's that's the only way Alaska can pull this out is if they keep the game low scoring. Um, if the game gets in the thirties. With the Browns quarterback that Alaska has, I can't see him dropping four touchdowns on anybody. Even with, you know, uh, four ability Justin Beagley and four ability Klein, you know, you know, Mexico, Mexico City problems. I can't see him doing that. Now they force a turnover here, or a turnover there. That would be a different ball game. But head to head, if it's a high scoring matchup, Mexico City got this going away. Um, but if they're able to, if Alaska State able to slow them down a little bit, force field goals instead of allowing touchdowns, and keep the game close, I like their chances. But for the sake of breaking down the way you're supposed to break it down, Mexico City would be the team that I look for to pull this one out if they play to the ability that they can play. There you go. Well done. All righty. Now, January 16th, game of the week. I want to throw this number out before we forget. The who Um, you got voting, Mexico City 37, the Alaska Storm 17. Close, but but no cigar, right? That's what you say? What time time is the game of the week? Is it at 3 or is it uh, at night? Um, Yeah, I believe Uh, it's at 3 p.m. Andy is in the chat room. I'm sure Andy can give us the exact time. I believe it's 3 p.m. Eastern. I'm not mistaken, so hopefully he'll tell me here in a second. Oh, Andy, where are you at? 3 p.m., I think. Yeah, I haven't seen Because I'm, I'm looking at, yep, 3 p.m., Monday, okay. All right, so Monday, January 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. We're, call, we're calling it the Martin Luther Matinee. Game of the Week, Battle of the Birds. We have the Carolina Skyhawks at the Sioux Falls Sparrows. Who you got, dude? Man, what a game this one can be. Uh, the game of the week. Uh, who you got real close. I'll get those numbers out here soon. Um, but looking at this particular matchup, you got Sioux Falls, who finished third offensively last year, 11th defensively. Carolina, who struggled offensively last year, was dead last, 16th, and had the 7th defense. 7th uh, defense, but a 16th ranked offense makes that 7th defensive number look really, really good. That is a strong number, uh, so you can only imagine had they had more firepower offensively, those numbers would have climbed to the defense and they'd have been ranked even higher. But this is this chick of the season, Mr. Shan Varner, Andy Hamilton are switching roles. Um, 
I get why they're doing it. I understand why they're doing it. I'd probably have done it myself, even though I don't agree with it. I think if these guys were to stay put, they'll be an even more dangerous team. But in this particular matchup, I think it works out for them. Here's why. Sioux Falls is rocking nine defensive players. How ironic, the team last year that tried to go mostly defense-heavy was Carolina. We saw how it worked for them. They're also carrying a generic running back. I, I just can't see them being able to throw it all day long to their receivers. I mean, they're going to have to have some kind of running game. Because Julian Tyree, Jordan Jennings, and uh, Jalen Miller, which is, to me, the Triple J's, Jordan, uh, Julian, and Jalen. I I just can't see them just getting it done, just the three of them. That's their only offensive weapons. There's not a tight end. There's not even a third receiver. There's not a running back. Uh, to me, I wouldn't even have carried the free safety. Just taking, I mean, no no offense to Mr. Michael Spurgeon, who is the second free safety, but I wouldn't have picked him up. I'd have made that my three-ability bronze running back is what I'd have done there. Then I think they'd have had even more options this season. Uh, will they go with the swing city with the generic? Will they just run basic football with the generic and just get back on their heels with the defense and try and shut teams down? And we said it earlier when, when the commissioner was here on the phone. This is an offensive-driven league. And I firmly believe nine star defensive players is equal to four or five star offensive teams. I, I, just, I just believe that. And because of the build, and it's only because of the build, I think Carolina has more options, more weapons, more tools that are spread out, and I'm picking Carolina to win this game. Okay. I can see that. I'm looking at the Sparrows build, and I am thinking that their owner has some of his sleeve. There's no way he's just tinkering for a whole season, especially not, you know, making the playoffs last season and, and, and being this close to pulling out a victory, you know, he was the game went down to the wire. So I can't see him making this drastic a move without having, you know, labbed like a, like a madman to make sure that this could work in some capacity. With that loaded defense, the question is, can Johnny English get going to force Sioux Falls to go single high and then allow for Zelly, McDaniel, and Harrelson to get loose in the secondary. Or, like James Klein, if you listen to the SOB broadcast, yes, cheap plug, SOB, check it out. It's on YouTube. Um, he said that they're striving to be more a more balanced team. That doesn't mean Johnny English won't be as effective. He just won't be as featured. And if that is the case, in this matchup, does it fall into, you know, Sioux Falls kind of game plan? Like, oh, you want to throw? Go right ahead. Every one of you guys is going to be covered with a star player. Every last one. So, well, because, because those guys need that extra second to free, to get free or shake off the defender, will that allow time for them? 
Alex Parker, the Browns defensive end, to get loose and get on top of Jamison Monroe? I believe it does. I, I believe it does because I ran, I ran 3-2-5 exclusively in the last four games last season when I was the Baltimore D.C. And I had no, I had one star in my front seven. One. And we've, we ended the season with 18 tackles for losses in the playoffs. In one game, 18 tackles for loss with no stars. So I could just imagine having a loaded linebacking squad that, that not only will control your running game, is also sitting in the underneath zone, ready to pounce on anything that, you know, anything that ain't on point. And I could see Sioux Falls. I could see Sioux Falls. I could see Jordan Jennings getting loose. He gets loose against everybody. Then he had like 200 plus yards receiving last year, like some crazy record. He almost had 300. Like, he, 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 had, he had many, many a game where it was like, wow. Yeah, That's okay. Like, so, wait, so, he's really not, but so, you get my point. So, exactly. So he's going to get loose. <laughs> There's no, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. He will get loose. This game will be a low-scoring game, especially now that, uh, um, especially now that Cam told us that there might be some precipitation in Sioux Falls, which means receivers, their hands aren't as sturdy. Um. So drop passes lead to incompletions, and completions lead to stopped drives. And you're putting the ball and having to play defense. Um, this game's going to be a low-scoring game, man. It's going to be something like 17-14 or an uh, 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 oddball 19 because somebody has to kick a bunch of field goals or somebody got a safety. And I can see Sioux Falls pulling this one out. I like Sioux Falls. They'll find a way. And, also, and, and he'll... Since you and, asked me, go ahead. Um, Jennings had uh, three games where he was held under 100 yards. Just just three games. Uh, he had uh, was it five games where he had 11 or more receptions. Uh, his season high was 13 receptions three times. He went over 200 yards receiving uh, four times. He had a 306-yard game against the Renegades. He had 13 catches, 306 yards, and three scores. But his most scores was against Tallahassee when he had four. Now, despite all those big numbers, he actually had four games where he never saw the end zone. And he had 111 catches for 1963. So 1,963 yards. That was almost 2,000 yards. He averaged 9.3 catches a game. Averaged 163.6 yards a game. That's an unheard of number. But they had Beasley, who was working Swing City, and Beasley had 182 catches on the season, which was making defenses creep up, leaving Jennings open. And we know the AI is very fidgety and very odd, and we can't ever figure it out. Will the AI respect a generic running back? and possibility of those swings, or they continue to play back, covering up this gold and silver wide receiver tandem. That's my big question, because I've never seen it, so I don't know the answer to it. We'll find out here soon. The one thing I, the one thing I will say about Beasley 
is that though he had that many receptions last year, um, he only averaged like five yards a catch. So it's not he was catching the ball and basically falling down at first contact. He wasn't really breaking much tackles. He, you know, he might sneak in a spin here or branch out of maybe a tackle every other game. But for the most part, he was just catching a little pass and then getting what he could and yeah. keeping Sioux Falls offense on time. Yeah, so that way he averaged 5.8. Yeah, that like that's 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 those are running those are running numbers. Those are receiving numbers. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like the average, that's not a that's not what a that's not a, what a receiver should average. Even if you're a running back, you should be at least around nine, ten, five. He's got so his purpose last season, Beasley, we're speaking of right now, was to keep them on time. So instead of having second and ten, it's second and six. It's third and two. Can a generic do that? I believe a generic can, especially if you don't account for him because you're too busy respecting uh, Jennings and respecting Jalen Miller. So if you respect him that much that you're just leaving the flats open because you're like, ah, it's a generic, he can't hurt me. Well, if that's the case, the chains are going to keep moving until they get into, you know, close enough range where they can sneak in a quick slant, a drag route, a quick out, and then touchdown. But if Carolina's defense respects the running back, not the running game, but the running back as a receiver to not leave him open where the non-star has to defeat a defender to catch a pass, and that's where he'll struggle. If if he has to, you know, if Carolina's in cover two while they're trying to throw a screen or a swing route, and the defender right there ready to pop him in his mouth, can he hang on to the ball? And that's what we'll have to see if Carolina is well prepared for that. But again, Sioux Falls defense, it's it's built to stop spread attacks. And the way he dispersed his money throughout his players, it it looks like he knows what he's doing. You would hope so. And that, and- and, and I can't and see the, him doing this without testing it, like you were saying. I just couldn't see him doing that. He has to know something. Yeah, and that's why. And that's why I believe that they they got Carolina week one. To me, they yeah, they got Carolina week one. It'll be it'll be a close ball game. It's gonna be a defensive ball game. It's gonna be a very defensive ball game. Mark my words. It's gonna be neither quarterback is gonna have a good game. But yeah, it's gonna be. Two falls by like two, you know they sneak in a, they, they got a field goal late, you know after giving up a safety early or something. It's gonna be something ridiculous like that, where Carolina got the ball last and they're having to matriculate the ball down the field against that defense, and because Jameson Monroe got to hold the ball an extra second, you know defensive end either you know causes a loose ball or as quarterback you know Monroe gets hit while he's throwing and there's an interception somewhere, and that and then that's gonna end the game. It's gonna be a defensive ball game. Uh, on who you got, we know this is the game of the week. And on who you got, we see why. Sioux Falls and Carolina is very close. Can you believe this? I find this shocking, despite what we just said. Carolina has 27 votes, which is more than Sioux Falls, which has 25. So that's separated by just two votes. And I find that interesting. 
Um, despite everything I said, despite everything I mentioned, even though I firmly am concerned about it and believe it, I just, I'm shocked that Sioux Falls is not the odds-on favorite in this game, even though Carolina did defeat them last season. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious if other people feel exactly like I feel, and they're just thinking, okay, too much defense, not enough offense, not enough firepower, that eventually this offense is going to put some points on the board, and they don't have enough weapons to respond. But uh, either way, that's all six games covered. Um, week two is already next week, and this game's uh, just a few days. Because uh, since we are after midnight, it is technically Wednesday. So we are four or five days away here, so we can get ready. Now, I know you want to add a special feature here to Inside the SFL. We'll get into this really quick, and then we'll wrap this show up, because I think we've gone over half an hour longer than we intended. Yeah. Um, so I'll let you uh, introduce what we're trying to do here, and then we'll give the quick hitters on it, and we'll put this one to sleep. Now, this segment is going to be the the intriguing matchup of the following week. So we're basically going to take a look ahead, one week ahead, to see what matchups are going on, and we're going to expound upon the matchups we believe are intriguing and why. Um, so the slate, the slate for week two is Queen City. They get to play their first game because they have a week one bye. They're at the, uh, the, new, the new look and just new glad, St. Louis Gladiators. We have Carolina at Tallahassee. We have Mexico City at Houston, who has a bye week in week one as well. So that'll be their first game. Um, the new look, Houston Hyenas. We have the Alaska Storm at Dallas. We got the Sioux Falls Sparrows at the Baltimore Crabs. And we have the OKC Renegades at the Los Angeles Sox. So, Doug, what's, what's the matchup you like for uh, week two? Well, I was really intrigued by a few of these games. Uh, no offense to some teams, and I won't mention them. I wasn't too excited about the game for some reason or another. Um, like I said, when I mentioned it to you earlier, Queen City, St. Louis piqued my interest because these are the two teams that both invested in the three defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin gets to go home, if you will, although I think it's in St. Louis, but he gets to play his old team when he worked for Queen City. With the CA. They were then the New York Knights. That's where he got his coaching started, if I'm not mistaken. I know it was as a scout, but to me that's still being part of the team. Uh, Queen City gets to go against Heechul again. So this made this game kind of interesting. Uh, the Alaska-Dallas game. I told you that one piqued my interest. You had two of the best defensive-minded coaches in the league. Um, you had that gold tight end going up against that one bronze linebacker in Dallas, which would be very, very interesting. Um, but the game I went with for my most intriguing, and and it's because we have to see what happens in week one. If this Sioux Falls Sparrows defense works, even slightly works, in week two, they get to go against the loaded four wide receiver set of Baltimore. So I'm very curious as how a nine stud pocketed loaded up defense will go against a four wide receiver set and a gold uh, tailback. Uh, we'll find out real quick in that case, you know, if, if that defense is well well worth it and well spent on. Um, so I'm just very intrigued on, on how that works and how that will shake out and come week two. The thing that's going to be interesting about that that matchup to me is is Sufal's going to sit in that three three five against 
Baltimore's forward, or are they going to go, you know, are they going to lose a star to match, to get no more speed to match up with that fourth bronze receiver? That's, that's going to be one of the things to watch, in, in, at least in that ballgame. Uh, the game that piqued my interest is the Carolina Skyhawks at the Tallahassee Pride. Um, they, the, the Skyhawks actually lead the series 2-1. to one. Um, The first two games were kind of lopsided. They, each team won at home. Last year's ball game, Carolina won at Tallahassee. Now listen to this, though. The final drive, they were down 17-13. On the second play of the drive, there was a pass deflected by Grayson Rivers. The ball hung in the air for, like, what seemed like eternity. Ethan King dropped and picked. Sean Harrison caught that deflection and went 36 yards. And then on that same drive to, like, take the lead, there was a four-down conversion by a diving catch by the same Sean Harrison at the one before Johnny English punched it in with 50 seconds left on the clock. Can Carolina reprise that magic in Tallahassee? <laughs> and, and another thing, too, this is this – is, um, we, we spoke about Tallahassee's hot start last year. This was the second loss in a row. They had gone to Dallas and ran to Steven in that defense that was a problem for everybody last year. And then they came home hoping to at least get back on the winning track, and this loss is the loss that precipitated their the terrible season that happened last year. So I'm pretty sure Tallahassee wants a little revenge for Carolina being able to escape with that win last year, especially with that the that last drive that um that last drive of the game where Carolina, Carolina was able to pull it out with those fluke plays, um, that's gonna be a game worth watching, especially with Carolina's new look and Tallahassee with uh, T Pat as the OC. So that's my game to watch at least for week two. I want to one quick comment for week two. Week two will be. As it's been punned, Sharknado 3, and I'm hoping to get off the snide and get that first victory in that rivalry. That's going to be that's gonna be a good that's gonna be a good one as well. Actually, we got all the games look good. All, you know, especially when, you know, week two comes in, these new teams, we get to, you know, after week one, we got to see what they're about a little bit, the kind of defense they run, the kind of offensive scheme they're going to run or at least want to deploy. And, and so we have a better idea of, who they are, their identity, you know, my key word. Um, so week two is going to be fun. But, hey, before we get to week two, kickoff weekend, Sunday, January 15th at 7 p.m. on the Red Zone on YouTube. Come on, folks. Y'all better, y'all, y'all better be there. Don't, don't make me have to come to your house. Come in. Make force y'all to watch. And, and, then, and just to touch on Carolina Tallahassee, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as those two teams, as far as I know, are concerned, they they are rivals. That is their like top rivalry with each other. So, um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun week two, uh, but we're gonna get through week one first. Um, and I just want to have you pick one game. I just want you to pick one game, and we're gonna use the who you got to answer this question. In all the games, which team? That is the underdog, not the game of the week since it's so close. Which team that is such an underdog can you see winning their game quicker than the other teams? And that would be Vegas beating L.A., Atlanta beating Baltimore, 
Alaska beat Mexico City or St. Louis beat Tallahassee of those four games. Which underdog? I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah and OKC over Dallas. So my mistake. Uh, of those games, which underdog would you be quickest to pick and put a bet on to say, yep, they're going to get the victory? Because for me, it's Atlanta. To win, yeah, I was just about to say that too. Atlanta. It's, you know, I'm not going to pick my own squad, so Atlanta. If I, if you know what I'm saying, if I had to put my money down on an underdog to, you know, to, to, to so I, you know, I bet one to make five. Atlanta is it. <laughs> I want to throw a quick, uh, one more quick stat at you that I didn't think about. Um, that Carolina Tallahassee rivalry. I don't even know if you're aware of it, but uh, in season six, Tallahassee was the reason why Carolina missed the playoffs, and last season. Carolina was the reason Tallahassee missed the playoffs. <laughs> so, hey, that, that, there you go. That's rivalry right there. Indeed. So we'll see what happens this season between those two. But uh, I'm going to let everybody know now. I'm probably going to try and do another lunchtime with me type episode um, inside the SFL lunchtime. Um, based on my work schedule, it would probably be Friday. That's my goal. Uh, I'll know better tomorrow, maybe even Thursday morning, how I'm feeling for that. Uh, but if there's another one episode before the season, that'll be the day. If not, then we'll see you sometime after week one. We'll break down week one and preview week two. Sounds good. Uh, and I want to take the time. Mark Chisholm, James Klein, they've been the two guests on uh, the SFL Owners Box, the SOB. Uh, I want to send love to both those guys. They were both asked the same question of all their games on the schedule, who they're looking forward to to play the most. Uh, I was honored they both picked me. So I'm honored by that. I want to send out a shout out to those guys because I'm looking forward to those games as well. Uh, two good guys. It's been a pleasure getting to know them, talk to them. So, you know, it's going to be a fun time when we get to play. So, thanks, guys. If you got any closing thoughts. We ain't got no closing thoughts. We'll put this one to bed, and we appreciate everybody who's called. Uh, yeah, called us, said called in, joined us in the chat and stuff. No, nah, man, I'm, I, I am good. I'm prepared. My playbook's turned in. Matter of fact, I'm already working on week. I'm already working on week two. See, like you know, STV and I, we man, we hard at work. We know week two is gonna be a short turnaround. So yes, to all you owners and OCs, and yeah, y'all better get on y'all grind because y'all gonna have two days, maybe three at top to get that playbook ready from Sunday. So you better get on it now. So that's all. I'm good. I'm, I am ready. I'm pumped. I got people. Like, dude, I, okay. Sunday, I work I work the parking lot ministry at church. That means I'm outside making sure people aren't parking into other people's vehicles. And in, in passing, people are asking me, hey, so when the season starts? Is it this Sunday? I'm like, no, next Sunday at 7. So that's how big... The SFL is in my community. I at church people asking me about this. So this, that's I am ready. They are ready. Are y'all ready for the red zone? Indeed. So I love it. I love it. Had a message. Uh, I was told. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, yeah, and don't forget to pick up your SSL gear, Cafe Press. That's right. 
Yes, sir. Buy all the shark gear you can get. I guess you can buy the other teams too. But uh, yeah, you look pretty wearing the shark gear. Uh, it's got the beautiful colors. <laughs> Speaking of colors, I'm gonna have to tell you during the, the scrimmages and the sims that people were putting out, the the maroon helmet don't look as bad as I suspected. So, uh, yeah. No comment. You know, yeah. no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I uh, to to Cam. Thanks for calling in. Uh, to everybody who joined us in the chat, help us out. Shan Varner, I love you, buddy. Uh, we're going to uh, put this one to sleep. Uh, we'll either see you Friday or sometime next week uh, as we prepare for week two. So uh, for Max Paul, Doug Bose, good night. Peace.